You're listening to The RN Mentor, a podcast designed to document and bring you the work and experience of some of the most influential nurses in our profession. We will be sitting down and having a discussion with the leaders of today's nursing world as they share their work, how they navigate their nursing path, and their views on the future of the profession. My name is Ali Tayeb. I am a registered nurse, United States Navy veteran, a Jonas Veterans Healthcare Scholar, and your host for The RN Mentor. Welcome to another episode of the RN Mentor Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the Nursing Mutual Aid 2020, uh, a conference that's been put together uh, in light of the current COVID-19 situation and the fact that many of us uh, have had conferences canceled and presentations canceled, podium presentations canceled. So as a result, uh, a group of incredible nurses uh, have had the foresight uh, to put something together uh, in the virtual world of Twitter. So using social media as a conduit to still get information out and give us an opportunity to share uh, the science of nursing on all levels. So today's guest, we have Dr. Rachel Walker. Dr. Walker is currently an associate professor, nursing PhD program director, and associate director of the UMass Amherst Center for Health and Human Performance. And we have Dr. Anna Valdez, who currently serves as faculty at Santa Rosa Junior College, Sonoma State University, and Walden University, And she is currently serving as the Editor-in-Chief for the Teaching and Learning in Nursing Journal. Dr. Walker and Dr. Valdez are part of the incredible team that put the Nursing Mutual Aid uh, 2020 together. And their full bios can be found on my website at www.aliartayeb.com, which is linked to this podcast. Now I would like to welcome Dr. Rachel Walker and Dr. Anna Valdez to the RN Mentor podcast. They are uh, two of the creators and organizers of the Nursing Mutual Aid 2020, uh, and uh, which is basically a virtual conference for all of us that were displaced at some point because of COVID-19. So with that said, uh, I'm going to start off again with with a welcome and please uh, uh, take it away. How did this whole thing come about? Uh, How was, how did, where was, where did the idea generate and uh, um, how did it get started? Dr. Walker. Well, it's, it's most definitely been a collective effort that continues to grow. And I think that is our hope that while we're having a conference on April 30th on Twitter, which we hope will be um, open access and inclusive and accessible, um, the the purpose of mutual aid is really around radical solidarity and community building. And I think that's where folks who've gotten involved have really found the most 
inspiration and um, space for imagining sort of new futures for how we collaborate and come together and amplify, um, or perhaps more importantly, pass the mic to folks uh, within our communities, uh, within nursing and midwifery, uh, among students, um, particularly those who may be often pushed to the margins uh, by the dominant powers of, of society, uh, to, to hear their perspectives, uh, to learn of how we are all nursing the community in the context of COVID, and to share you know, resources, opportunities, calls to action. Um, we started out with a, a tweet that went out to nurse Twitter around, you know, hey, is there some way you know, as we were seeing more and more of the conferences and other events canceled several weeks ago now, uh, as as COVID was really just starting to kind of take off in the U.S., um, you know, is there some way we could come together virtually and support each other and share that knowledge that's been canceled by COVID? Um, but when these amazing nurses and midwives and students came together for the first time and we really talked about what was happening, where we were, how it was both impacting us and people we care about and the communities we served, we realized this needed to be more than just a, a space to share sort of knowledge and presentations, though they're important. It, it wasn't just an academic conference we needed. It was really community and it was a way to connect people at a time of social distancing when many of us also are feeling isolated, um, are managing new challenges perhaps that we've, we've never had to really face before and are all wondering, um, you know, what is it we can do? Um, how can we offer support to each other? And also how can we get our own needs met? So uh, that is where sort of mutual aid was was born as a concept for both a conference, but also uh, a platform, a digital space, and and we hope a community that may continue to grow that can continue to support each other and maybe ideally um, not just respond to need, but fundamentally transform some of these broken. Um, not even just broken systems, but um, structures that are currently preventing us from nursing the community the way that, that we, we know we need to. And I think uh, Dr. Valdez has um, seen that too. Yeah, I have. One of the things that I found to be really exciting about this process is, one, it's been a very collaborative process. Um, there's not a leader in the group we all work together, we collaborate, we develop consensus. Um, I have learned a tremendous amount just through the collaboration process and having the opportunity to work with a bunch of really brilliant nurses and scholars. And I think it's allowed us the opportunity to really look at who are experts right? Who are experts in nursing? And how do we share those voices? Many times the voices that you see at presentations or you see in publications are people who are perceived to be experts because they're scholars and they've moved their way up and they've been highlighted, right? And so they get invited to be um, presenters again, and they're they're recognized, and that excludes a lot of important voices. It excludes experts, and it limits the way in which we we view experts. Right now, we have nurses 
at the stretcher side, at the bedside, who are experts in COVID-19. They know more than I know. They know more than most scholars out there. And their voices need to be amplified. And we have people who are experiencing disparities um, and care who are experiencing COVID-19. They are experts. And so I think it's helping us to reshape and reimagine who is an expert in nursing and how do we share information and how do we do just-in-time education? Never before as a nurse educator have I been um, pushed or extended this much to do just-in-time, real-time education and research. And so I have found this very exciting because we are not limiting this platform to people who are well-known scholars. We certainly welcome those voices. Um, we certainly welcome researchers and people who are, um, you know, beyond early career research. Uh, but we also welcome voices that are silenced often and um, people who are experts in other ways. And we also welcome diverse ways in which to share information. So we've not limited it to um, you have to have this type of presentation. You know, they can have slides if they want. They can have GIFs if they want. They can have pictures. Um, they can share poetry. There are many ways in which um, the nurses who participate can communicate and share about their expertise. And that's one of the things that I find so exciting about this. And I also think it's the first time in my almost 30 years being a nurse that I've been able to participate in a global conference where anybody in the world could hear the speakers, who could hear the presentations, who could, if they couldn't attend at that time, can go back to those presentations. So not only am I excited about opening up a platform where all experts and all voices are able to share their knowledge, but people all across the world, including journalists and um, scientists in other countries will have access to that information and be able to share it. So um, for me, it's been very exciting and transformational. And thank you for that. I mean, I mean, one of the main things that I, I saw when I first started the conversation, I saw the start seeing the conversation on Twitter. Uh, I was getting excited about the fact that this is coming. And when I saw it actually come to, uh, to be, uh, one of the, one of my biggest issues have, has always been uh, the equity in conferences, right? From a cost perspective, from a location mm -hmm. perspective, uh, mm -hmm. who the bias that I know exists within publication and conferences, unfortunately. Uh, so to open it up to so many people, to such a diverse community of nursing that are doing incredible work out there, uh, from bedside all the way to academia to policymakers. Uh, so that's one of the main things I was uh, excited about because it's really, uh, it's not about making money. It's really purely sharing information. And mm -hmm. that's what was very appealing to me uh, mm -hmm. when I saw this happen. Uh, so I saw you guys have a very rich group of individuals that you've put together. How did that collaboration happen? 
Oh, that's the beauty of nurse Twitter (laughs) (laughs) or nurse nursing and midwifery Twitter. I think, um, you know, there was, there, there was a sudden surge of folks when this started to develop as a discussion on Twitter, which as you mentioned, it's free, it's open access. Yeah. You can tweet in any language and then instantly translate it. So that, hopefully is not as much of a barrier. Um, so, so folks came together and, um, you know, we have midwives, we have nurses, we have people with acute care backgrounds, we have nurse journalists, we have policymakers, we have activists and organizers. And I, I think we've, we've tried hard to, um, no group is a monolith, of course, and there are so many different forms of intersectionality that can exist in the world, um, but to try as much as we can to ensure that folks who are collectively leading this effort represent a wide variety of positionalities, perspectives, backgrounds, and even time zones, because uh, we we recognize I'm an East Coaster. <laughs> there's, there's a bias there, too, sometimes, you know, when you have a, a, an event start at 7 a.m. Eastern time, you know, that excludes a bunch of folks on the West Coast and also in many parts of the world. So being Absolutely. forced to think about that. Um, and, uh, and, and I think we've, as Dr. Valdez mentioned, all been learning from each other. At least I know I've been sort of learning and unlearning on a regular basis, which is the beauty of a collective where you have a certain degree of trust with each other, um, that each person is showing up as an expert in their own lived experience. And that when someone throws out an idea, um, you know, that's coming from an authentic place. And sometimes we don't all have the same ideas. We've, we've had some vigorous discussions, uh, even around the choice of the term mutual aid, you know, which is not a new term. You know, it's a term that has long historical roots in community activism. Um, going back, I think maybe one of the most famous examples is the Black Panther Party in the late 60s and 70s who organized for their communities to meet their needs directly when they didn't see the government and other folks in power doing that. They offered free clinics, free breakfast, um, and there have been many, many organizers and activists and scholars who followed in that vein since. Uh, Right before I got on this uh, call with you all, uh, I was listening in on uh, the Data for Black Lives Pulse Check, um, which is another organization that has come together to meet really critical needs, particularly of communities of color that are not seeing themselves being counted, that are not seeing the algorithms that currently run the world do right by them. And uh, they were they were also noting this, this whole upswelling as of late of mutual aid that's occurring, not as charity, but as um, the, the organizer and founder of the Sylvia Rivera Law Project, Dean Spade calls, um, it's it's solidarity, not charity. You know, it's about um, communities coming together really to survive and to meet their immediate needs in ways that aren't being served by the current structures. And while many of us among the organizers do have various forms of um, privilege that, that we benefit from, um, you know, myself, you know, I'm, a, I'm an abled white academic. Um, you know, I have many things um, that, that protect me from, from aspects of life that others really don't enjoy that protection from. Um, I, I think that we're 
we're mindful that even as we occupy um, some of those positionalities and privilege, um, we also are seeing acute needs, um, you know, among ourselves and, and among the folks that we care very deeply about and that we cannot wait to meet them. We cannot wait for the establishment, even of nursing and midwifery, you know, our professional organizations, they do great work, but we cannot wait for all of them to get on board <laughs> with responding. You know, this is an all hands on deck kind of situation. And that's often when you see mutual aid sprout up, you know, is, is, is um, in these moments that um, can be terrifying, but also, um, as, as Dr. Valdez mentioned, uh, transformative. Um, we, we can create new futures, you know, if we're willing. And that's one of the beauties of, I think, uh, you doing this is the fact that uh, there's really no boundaries for you, like there may be for organizations with policies and regulations and have everybody and their mother sort of have to approve it before they can move forward. You know, you're a, a, a collective of, of you know, uh, uh, very uh, intelligent individuals that have seen a need for it and have filled that need. And actually, like, I think I want to say it happened. I feel like it happened in a week that you put this together. It was like I saw a tweet about what do you think? And then I saw another tweet. Here's the website. Uh, I think that's basically... That's uh, the power of a collective. Uh, yeah, and I, I think, think Dr. Valdez can speak to that too. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it is the power of a collective. You know, we are really privileged. Dr. Walker and I are here speaking with you, but there's a whole team of people who have been working. And I would encourage people who listen to this podcast to go to our website um, at nursingmutualaids.squarespace.com. Um, squarespace.com and look at our organizing team. We have been meeting regularly. We communicate regularly and everybody is volunteering and working hard to make this happen quickly, um, which has been phenomenal. And, it, and again, it allows us to do things that are no cost. There's no cost to participate. There's no cost to present because we don't have any overhead or cost. We're all doing volunteer work to be able to make this happen. Um, and I think also it's a group of nurses and midwives who are very committed to equity and justice and open access and accessibility and inclusion and Therefore, we approach this with that mindset. We've been able to, um, you know, challenge our own biases and have really healthy discussions about what we're trying to do to make sure that this platform is really accessible to everybody. Um, and I, too, am very impressed by how fast we've been able to move, but it's a very high-functioning group who are all in and really want to see this happen. And I think we're all very invested in this concept of mutual aid and solidarity. Um, you know, solidarity with our our nurse colleagues, our other healthcare colleagues out there, and also our patients and communities. Um, I, I think it's a it's a a sense of radical solidarity that I really appreciate, and um, I am hoping, and I think, will shine through in this conference. To that end, too, in terms of um, sort of groups, communities that have been uh, historically and currently marginalized in much of nursing, midwifery, and uh, just 
larger society and some of the intentionality of the collective in terms of making sure that we have some representation within what the conference and we hope, you know, the community um, of these, these groups, uh, whether that's carceral nursing, whether that's uh, migrant health and justice, environmental justice, uh, school nursing, which often gets much less attention than it should, um, you know, reproductive justice, disability advocacy and justice, um, LGBTQ plus perspectives, the perspectives of Black, Indigenous, and, and persons of color, um, you know, really making sure that we center those individuals and those voices um, because it, we don't know what we don't know. <laughs> and um, again, we're always learning, um, but, but they are the experts in not just how to solve problems, but what the problems are that we should be attempting to solve, or at least throwing our weight behind collectively to support where we can. Um, and, and I think as this continues, we hope that it will lead to more events and actions and transformation in the future that isn't just limited either to like the collective, um, like the organizing team that's currently on our website. You know, there's some pragmatics to that. Like you can only have so many zoom boxes going at one time and you're trying to plan, but, but we really hope, I think that this continues that, uh, that perhaps organically we can bring more and more folks into this space and perhaps like other groups, uh, like the Design Justice Network, like Data for Black Lives, you know, maybe we might even eventually have nodes, you know, the the West Coast node and the East Coast node and the, you know, Brazil node. I think we've got a presenter joining us uh, with a Brazilian background. So um, that's that's something that we hope we will make space for um, if, if people want it to happen. And I have to thank you because you uh, you guys went ahead like did it went one step further and included faculty and students. You gave them a tool for them to actually participate as not only presenters, which is usually how students end up at conferences is because they're presenting, but you gave them uh, a door for them to walk through and actually sit at a go to a conference at no charge uh, and actually be exposed to many pre presentations uh, actually I'm going to have a nice number of my students that are going to be attending. Um, most of them don't know, have never been on Twitter, so there's going to be a learning curve for them. Uh, but yeah, but I definitely, I saw that. I'm like, yeah, my students, hey, guess what? You're, we're not doing Zoom. You're going to a conference. That's what's going to happen. Uh, so thank you for actually opening uh, that avenue because, they, like I said, most students do not go to conferences. When I talk to my students, as I'm sure you do too, uh, many of them don't go to conference. Actually, a lot of nurses don't go to conferences they do their ce's and that's where it ends but uh so getting more and more people uh out there that they're exposed to the uh topics you're talking about uh it's amazing it's amazing yeah and part of information sharing i think in nursing is the restriction of having to travel to a conference having to pay for a conference i have to be selective about how many conferences i can go to and i have the privilege of having a high income and, and secure employment to be able to support me and so i think especially for students um it is very difficult for them to be able to get to go to conferences they're trying to pay for school they're working often they're 
doing their schoolwork. And so we were very excited about opening this up. I'm delighted to hear your students are going to participate. Um, some of my FNP students have applied to present and will be attending. Uh, and we've sent this out to students all across the world and hope that they will participate. And we wanted to make it as easy as possible. So on our website, which it sounds like you have already seen, there is a letter for faculty and students explaining how this conference will map to the AACN essentials from the, you know, associate degree to doctoral level. And we created a form to make it really easy where students can log what presentations they engaged in and how much time they spent and um, included some information about how they could journal about that or summarize it, which is in word format on purpose so that faculty could alter that and make it fit their particular class or their particular class outcomes. So I'm excited to hear that you are sharing that with your students and encouraging them to participate. Yeah, actually, we're using it as a, or I'm using it as a way to give clinical hours since so many of the clinicals are uh, no longer, uh, you know, they got, they've been canceled or people have been displaced. Uh, so I'm using, I'm giving them actually 15 minutes per presentation. So with a maximum of four hours, uh, so they can sit through 16 presentations and get credit for it. So, um, so that's oh, kind of how made we our day. <laughs> that's our that is exactly what we were hoping. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I said, and, and you know, our, Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, you know, our on the the subject of conferences and inclusion, you know, the students, whether they're pre licensure students, you know, RN to BS students, graduate students, you know, postdoctoral uh, fellows, uh, we really, really do hope students will participate. Um, part of the intention behind the submission form, which is on our website, on the landing page, right up in the right-hand corner, you, it, it can take less than, definitely less than five minutes, you know, maybe two minutes if you're speedy to fill out. Um, and it, it really does leave a lot of space, I think, for what you can bring in terms of your expertise and lived experience. Because we also know with some of the radical policy changes that have happened lately due to COVID, that students have been placed in a really unprecedented position, whether it's having to complete their clinical semesters completely online or through alternative formats, whether it's being told that now they can practice unlicensed in some space in the context of a, a pandemic crisis. Um, you know, the students are our future, and they're also in an extremely vulnerable position. And as many as are willing and able to share any of their perspectives, we would love to have them engage as presenters in addition to participants, acknowledging that, um, you know, power and vulnerability uh, may mean that for some that's, that's not possible to engage as fully as a presenter as they might like to. But if they have that interest, um, there, there really is just so much um, support among the organizers um, and willingness to work with folks too. If Twitter's not comfortable or familiar to them, if they've never tweeted before, if they're still trying to wrap their head around what a tweeted 
presentation might look like. We've had some very generous members of our, our organizing group, including Dr. Valdez, who've offered to help work with people directly to get them to where they feel like they can do that or where even in some cases we might help to facilitate that. Uh, we really don't want the Twitter aspect to be a barrier to participation. Um, and I saw you on, your, on your website, you had a resource page on how to do Twitter stuff. You have a fantastic infographic uh, right there that uh, I noticed somebody put together. Uh, Marion Leary, okay. <laughs> who is uh, another fantastic member of the organizing group and uh, a media whiz, bar none. Yeah, so I, I, I saw those things. So uh, I've, I've been sharing those regularly uh, with our faculty. So I don't know what other faculty are doing. But yeah, definitely, I think it's a, it's a well w worth it for somebody to, like I said, get out of their comfort zone if they need to and do something different. Uh, looks like a lot of us are doing that <laughs> these days. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Uh, so uh, thank you again for, uh, for doing this. If you want to give another shout out to uh, where they can find you, I'm going to put your website and the information on my link uh, for the podcast. But if you want to speak to that real quick. Um, yes, please. So our website is nursingmutualaid.squarespace.com. And um, one of the things to note is up in the left-hand corner where our hashtag is, is there's a menu area. If they hover over that, it opens up several pages. So that's where they can find the, the nursing student and faculty information, how and why nurses should use Twitter, how you would participate in a Twitter conference, um, our infographic, and uh, all of the Twitter handles for conference organizers and for those people who are have expertise to share, have a story to tell, want to be able to present but feel intimidated by Twitter, we would say, please don't take a look at the resources, reach out to us. We will help you to figure out how to use Twitter, how you might organize, you know, your information into six tweets or, um, or whatever support they need. We want to make sure that this is as inclusive as possible. And I also wanted to mention that it's accessible too. So one of the things that we have asked of all presenters is a commitment that their material will be accessible. So for instance, if they wanted to include a video that it be captioned or, um, you know, if they're providing providing other materials, that those are all accessible materials. Yeah, and we do have tutorials on the website for uh, folks to, to work through how that might apply to their presentation, uh, whether that's you know, using descriptive text on images, uh, so again, they can be translated or sort of read aloud through an e-reader for those who might need that. Um, and with your permission, um, I'd just like to name the rest of the organizing group because they have worked so very hard yes, on this. And um, it's certainly not limited to them, but as long as we're here. Um, so, of course, Dr. Valdez. We also have Wanda Montalvo, um, Jessica Dillard-Wright, Barbara Glickstein, of course, of uh, the Woodhull Revisited Study, amazing nurse journalist, Robin Kogan, the relentless school nurse, Monica Mucklemore, who I feel almost doesn't need an introduction, um, Anne-Marie Marides, uh, who is a, a doctoral student, uh, M. Rob Lay at UIC, Jan Kaminsky, 
And Marion Leary, who, of course, as you mentioned, uh, designed that wonderful infographic and has also been helping us uh, spread the word. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And actually, uh, I've hit some of them up for p- future podcasts. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so definitely, and I have privilege enough to know a couple of those in that, in that list. And it's an, it's a, like I said, you guys put together an incredible group. And I think we should definitely mention it's going to be on the 30th of April, correct? Mm-hmm. We, I don't think we mentioned that. 30th. So the submission 30th site is open until Monday, April 20th. So we are still seeking folks who would like to present. And we have a really exciting lineup so far of those who've already thrown their hat into the ring, so to speak. And we're hoping to be announcing some of the already accepted presentations and, and people uh, will be welcoming uh, later this week. Fantastic. Fantastic. And the hashtag for those who are just going to end up showing up on the 30th on Twitter will be mm-hmm. hashtag NMA2020, correct? Right. right. NMA as in Nursing Mutual Aid 2020. So if you find that hashtag on Twitter, you can hopefully follow the conference. You should also, if you're interested, uh, follow the Twitter handle for the conference. That's uh, it's it's titled Nursing Mutual Aid, and the handle is at NRSG Mutual Aid all one word. So it looks like nursing mutual aid, a little bit abbreviated at the top. And if you follow that handle, you'll be able to follow all of the presentations. And again, if you miss it, because maybe you're out there delivering direct care right now, maybe you're looking after you know loved ones and family members, you can always go back, access the presentations, ask your questions, comment on the threads. And our hope is that the presenters themselves will still be able to engage with that whether it's on the day of the conference, which is April 30th, it's a Thursday, um, or, you know, later in time. Dr. Walker, Dr. Valdez, is there anything more you'd like to share about the website or the conference? You know, so the whole point of the digital platform, right, community building, solidarity, hearing voices, but also on the website, there is an entire space on the website, a separate tab. It's labeled Mutual Aid Resources. There we have a running list that is crowdsourced from folks who are participating with us on this platform. Of all the spaces, you can also check out either opportunities to engage in mutual aid resources or other calls to action, which may be relevant to your practice. Outstanding. Thank you. So thank you again. So again, uh, the Nursing Mutual Aid 2020 will be happening on Twitter on the 30th of April 2020. I will have links to your site uh, on my website and it will be um, the podcast will be on my website and on Apple Podcasts. You have been listening to the RN Mentor Podcast with our guests, Dr. Rachel Walker and Dr. Anna Valdez, speaking about the Nursing Mutual Aid 2020 that will be happening this coming 30th of April. And we look forward to seeing you on Twitter. Please be safe, and it's been a pleasure sharing this time with you. Until next time. You've been listening to the RN Mentor with your host, Ali Taya. Please don't forget to visit www.aliartayeb.com. That's www.aliartayeb.com 
our podcast notes and resources, and don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, I wish you fair winds and following seas.